This episode of the Cinemavention podcast is brought to you by Routing Wonk, RozJ001, Alex Hanna, and Wabbit Magic. Want to find out how to become one of the names listed? Go to patreon.com slash wscottis1 to find out how. Hi, I'm wscottis1, and I have not seen the movie Pulp Fiction. <gasps> Uh-oh, we found another movie Willie hasn't seen. This calls for an intervention. A Don't get cute. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Cinemavention podcast, where we review and discuss classic movies that I should have seen long ago. Today, we'll be discussing the movie Pulp Fiction, which my guest has seen before. He is the host of the Ritual Misery podcast. Please welcome back Kent Valore to the show. I remembered your last name right this time. <laughs> Are you doing, yes, man? Yes, you did. I'm great, man. Thank you for having me back. This is so much fun being on the show, and Pulp Fiction is one of my favorite movies, so I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, you're on a new mic, you got a new setup and everything, so uh, let's not waste any time here because we have, <laughs> we've got a jam-packed episode uh, today because Pulp Fiction is a two-hour and 30-minute movie. My God. Like, us oh, yeah. Us millennials, like us millennials, Gen Zers, like we we don't have time for a movie that long. Like, what's what's, what's up with that? It, anything past like seventeen minutes, and a millennial just it has no attention span for it. Um, exactly. No, I, you know, long movies I, I understand can be tedious, but a movie like Pulp Fiction, at least to me, and this is just my opinion, of course. Um, but a, a movie like Pulp Fiction is so good. If it went three and a half hours, I'd be fine with. It. Yeah. Well, we'll talk a little bit more uh, more about that, and because uh, I there's definitely I, I have some opinions on it. I'll I'll save it for later. But uh, let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and go over some of the stats here before we begin. Here, uh, Pulp Fiction is available for rent or purchase online, and you can stream it on HBO Max. Pulp Fiction was released by Miramax Films on October fourteenth, nineteen ninety four, in the U.S movie was directed by quentin tarantino i recognize that name it stars john travolta samuel l jackson uma thurman tim roth amanda Plummer, and bruce willis which i didn't know about bruce willis was a surprise to me i will say uh the movie had a budget of eight million and made we get ready for this one 214 million dollars in theaters Woo! uh oh yeah Kent, when was the first time that you saw this movie, though? I didn't see it in theaters. So it was probably in either 95 or 96. Um, it would have been on VHS. Um, so, I, yeah, so I guess I have to remember, did I see it when I was in high school or did I see it when I was in the Air Force? Uh, because if I saw it in 95, it would have been in high school. So, hmm, that's a tough one. I don't remember exactly. Um, but I do know I watched it on VHS and then I subsequently bought the VHS tape and wore it out and I've owned it on, on DVD and on a streaming service. And, uh, now it's available on HBO. I just stream it there. So, yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah. so if, yeah, so you didn't see it in the theater. So I have to get, I mean, probably 95, 96, right. Yeah. If I had to guess. Yep. So, yeah. Yep. yep. Makes sense. 
Uh, let's go ahead and talk about this movie because there, there, there's a lot to talk about in this movie. We could easily do like a two or three hour podcast just on this movie yeah, let's, alone. Let's do a two hour, two hour and 30 minute podcast. Yeah, right? About it. <laughs> that would actually be pretty funny. No, but uh, the uh, the movie is actually not in chronological order, which if you're watching the film for the first time, mm-hmm. like myself, you don't really realize that, that, it, that that's the case, right? Like, you have to watch the entire movie to understand the, like, oh, wait a minute. Like, this is not, okay, this happened before. Okay, wait a minute. No, this is here, and this is right in this time yeah so there's a lot of yeah yeah and it's gonna take you probably three or four more watches to really get everything set in your head uh when things take place um but i do like the 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 storytelling method of of showing things out of order when you can piece them all together and like you said you're not going to catch that on the on the first go until the very end you're right back at the beginning of the movie which is actually chronologically storytelling wise is right in the middle of the movie. Um, yeah. So it, 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 it is absolutely confusing when the first time you watch it, but it is kind of like a neat little wait a minute moment at the end. Right. Yeah. And uh, what, what's cool about um, what, what's cool about that first uh, scene actually, because you know what happens in the restaurant at the very beginning um, is replayed at the end of the movie uh, and Jules and Vincent are in that restaurant mm-hmm. at the same time that this opening dialogue, which it which is interesting to me because the opening dialogue, like these two characters at the beginning, like normally when you're starting a movie, right, you, you're setting the scene, you're setting the characters up. But what's mm-hmm. actually going on here is that they are setting up the scene for the very end of the movie at the start, which is an interesting mm-hmm. choice, right? Mm-hmm. No, absolutely, and and this was Quentin Tarantino's second movie. Um, the, the first one being Reservoir Dogs, which I recommend you watch also. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- so this movie like really gave Tarantino a chance to uh, you know get backing from a studio and things like that, and give him kind of freedom. And he he's like a a storytelling genius, uh, and that's my opinion, of course. But I, I think he's really great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, he, he takes in all of these um, like old movie tropes and ideas from other movies and he puts his own spin on them. And all of his movies are, are something of an homage to, um, you know, either past uh, story beats or uh, stylistic choices or uh, things like that. And this was a chance for him to uh, j- just play with the, the storytelling uh, method of going out of order. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and in and in and in many ways, he kind of popularized um, that trend. If you really think about it, right? Yeah, yeah, like not non traditional storytelling uh, types. Uh, yeah, I, oh, man, I don't have nothing is coming to mind off the top of my head. But uh, since '94, there's been several movies though that have been um, you know non traditional, non linear in their storytelling. Whether it's you know a movie that's half told through flashbacks or jumping around the timeline like pulp fiction does and things like that yeah and uh and 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 what's cool about uh that beginning and ending scene there is like i actually found a youtube video we'll put the link in the show notes uh and it actually matches up perfectly to the beginning of the movie and at the end of the movie uh when uh when jules and vincent are having their conversation in the restaurant it like splices the two together 
and it's it's so amazing it's so good Yes, and and thank you for posting that in the show notes because I did watch it before we 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 got on the show here, and I actually noticed something that I haven't seen in my previous six thousand three hundred eighteen viewings of this movie is at the beginning the the diner scene at the beginning when Pumpkin and Honey Bunny are talking to each other about you know robberies and things like that. You can actually see John Travolta in the background yeah when, when Vincent later in the movie is walking to to go to the bathroom i never noticed john travolta in that shot i know uh, but it was yeah when it was spliced together on that youtube video you're naturally you, you know vincent gets up from the from the table to go use the restroom and then yeah. it cuts back to pumpkin and honey bunny and there's vincent walking to the bathroom but well and, i never and, noticed it yeah no and and you assume it's just like an extra just walking through the uh through the scene sure. you know like nothing yeah. out of the ordinary right and then yeah no that youtube video is like perfectly like shows when it happens at the beginning of the movie and and it's like the attention to detail it's like the fact that they knew that that was happening ahead of time and they wrote that into the script at the beginning of the movie amazing like amazing to have like the foresight to know that that is going to happen and i'm glad that someone on on youtube figured that out and and uploaded it because that is absolutely amazing yeah i've always thought about one of these days i'm going to cut together my own uh version of the movie where it's actually in uh sequential order um I, i've never done it uh, this is that YouTube video is actually the, the closest I've gotten to anything like that. And I would actually just as kind of a, as an experiment to to actually see the movie in its chronological order. Yeah, that would that would be interesting. Like, uh, what, yeah, I wonder if like it would change the story at all. Like if you did it in chronological order, that's that's something I, that I I'm not sure about. I think this. Well, I think the story is the same. Well, I think the thing that's different is the first time viewers experience. Because for yeah. a first time viewer, it would be absolutely a different experience and, and, and possibly, you know, a different story. Your understanding of the story would be different if you watched it in order. Um, but somebody like me that's seen it a, a million times, um, I think it would just kind of, you know, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know if it yeah. will change my perspective at all or if it will be confusing because I'm used to certain things happening in certain order. Um, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I'm, I'm down to try. It. I'm down to try it. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. I, I guarantee you, somebody has done it, right? I guarantee you, someone oh, has done for it. Sure. Oh, absolutely. I guarantee it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a matter of whether they can put it on YouTube or not. That's the main question, right? Oh. Well, sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah, probably not. Uh, so after the opening credits, uh, let, let's let's talk about this a little bit too, because here's another moment of um of cinematography that i really enjoyed is after the opening credits it shows jules and vincent for the first time of course again me being a first-time watcher i don't realize that they're literally in the previous scene and you don't even realize it right <laughs> right but uh but you're introduced that they're introduced on screen for the first time right and they're walking into the apartment comp com they're walking into the apartment complex and what's crazy about it is that while they're walking inside the apartment, that is a one camera take, like a one camera shot of the entire time mm -hmm. that they like all the way up until they get to the actual um, apartment itself. Like once they get to the door, 
that's that mm. it's only then that they go back to a two camera switching shot which is crazy yeah yep and i i, I love it i i love the the cinematography in this movie um it's like every shot or every scene uses a different type like a different uh uh cinematography style you know like you're talking about the one camera where they don't even follow the characters all the way to the end of the hallway. You kind of let them walk away and then come back toward the camera and things like that. And, you know, different angles and things like that. And I love it. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but, um, uh, but, uh, when they, Oh, I found out, uh, and I think it was a squid that, uh, let me in on this, which by the way, we have, um, I have a whole entire section of, uh, notes that i got from squid which is why i named this section til because it's very much a uh a, a, a til reddit post in my mind um <laughs> but when they uh sure. but it turns out when they inject the syringe into mia wallace they um turns out they actually shot that scene in reverse because mm-hmm. they wanted to have that effect where they like stab her with it like very quickly and mm-hmm. and they found that the only way that they could do it was if they shot it in reverse and then um and then you know obviously yeah. um reverse yeah. it on well, the final product and the uh, only the only w- other way to really pull that off i think would is would be if they uh did it uh like was you know sped up like if they did the action like in, in kind of slow motion but then sped up the tape but that that would be too obvious i think i yeah. think it was a good choice a good little uh, movie magic with the way they did that yeah, absolutely. Now, I want to talk about the Bible verse that uh that Jules is mm-hmm. always quoting, right? Here's Ezekiel 25:17. Right, which I will admit I I went to church as a kid, I don't remember this verse at all. But here's the yeah. thing about this Bible verse. <laughs> it's not actually the real Bible verse. So I looked it up. This is the King James version of this verse from the Bible mm-hmm. and I will execute great vengeance upon them with furious rebukes and they shall know that I am the Lord when I shall lay my vengeance upon them. Now it's close, right? It's close, but mm-hmm. they obviously didn't quote it that way and they kind of rewrote it for the movie, but I, I, I'm willing to give it a pass because it's close enough that it like, and yep. the way that they like the way that they edit it, makes it for me you know what i'm saying like that's my favorite part for sure and and tarantino being the um uh you know likes to pay homages to other things and i mean some people would even say he steals from older movies um the the line the way that it's said is kind of a mix between ezekiel 25 17 the actual verse from the bible and a line from a uh, Sonny Chiba movie from like the seventies, an old um, Kung Fu movie. Mm. Uh, And I don't, I I can't quote it exactly, but it's a, it's much closer to what Jules actually says. But instead of saying, I am the Lord, he says like, I am the, you know, whatever the character was from that movie. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. neat little bit of of trivia so it's a it's not just a bastardization if you will of that that verse but it's also a tribute to this older movie okay no that's 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 good because because yeah no that that adds more significance to it because yeah because if they rewrote it for you know for the effect of the movie okay Mm -hmm. sure like that's good in and of itself right 
but that but that makes me appreciate it even more if like if they're quoting from another mm-hmm. movie with that then yeah that that makes total sense right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um now uh here here's here's the til uh here i'm just gonna run through these real quick here we'll do lightning round <laughs> okay. on these so okay, cool. um so 1994 uh, was the movie was when this movie came out. And apparently mm. this year in particular was a big release year for theaters. Um, oh, yeah. I, I guess of all time. Right. I mean, stark contrast to uh, to last year. Am I right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It's 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 basically the the literal opposite of 2020 for theater revenue. Yeah. Right. Um, Miramax, uh, which, uh, which we, you see at the beginning and, and, and even like there are YouTube clips of this, um, movie that are on the official Miramax YouTube channel, uh, which apparently now it is gone defunct now, which is, eh, but, uh, um, yeah, yeah they're, that, that's they're, because of that's because of Harvey Weinstein. Nobody yeah. wants to be associated. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, that might have something to do with it. And yeah, that was one thing we saw at the opening credits. So we were just like, Ugh. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of the the credits, a, a name that a lot of people miss in the credits is Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito was actually an executive producer on this movie. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, and, yeah, and a lot of people don't realize that because it, back in the nineties. Uh, Danny DeVito, in addition to being a comedic actor, he also owned a production company with his wife, uh, Rhea Perlman. And they did a lot of um, like securing finance for like, uh, you know, upstart movies and things like that. And uh, DeVito actually, he got a hold of the script of Reservoir Dogs. And he wanted to finance that movie. By the script, the movie had already been financed and it was already coming out. Um, but he, t- he called up Quentin Tarantino and said, Hey, um, any other projects that you've, you know, you've got, um, cooking, like, you know, give me a first pass and, you know, I'd be happy to take a look at it. And sure enough, he did. Quentin Tarantino sent the script to Danny DeVito and Danny DeVito made things happen and, and basically secured, uh, the Miramax money to yeah. get Pulp Fiction made. So, well, and, yeah. and what's unique about Pulp Fiction though, is that Miramax actually got the distribution rights after the movie was already released. Sure, 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 sure. So Tarant- so Tarantino made the movie on a on you know more or less a shoestring budget as far as like Hollywood movies um are concerned. Sure. Um and he released the movie sort of like on the indie circuit. So we're talking like uh you know the con mu- uh movie festival and things like that. Right. But for like wide wide US distribution, um that's you know that's where you know Miramax was able to uh you know, use their, their Hollywood pool. Yeah. 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 Which I mean, Hey, you know, paid off, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Many times over. Yeah. Now, uh, this is, uh, this is squid's music side coming out here is if, if you know, if you know squid, you know, he's a music fanatic and, um, of course, and he has this factoid. Uh, so we were mentioning earlier about the Ezekiel 2517, Apparently, that verse uh, was used in a fun-loving criminal song called Scooby Snacks. And apparently, because of that, it actually was um, the radio stations refused to play it as a result because of that line. So, hmm, little tidbit Hmm. information there. I'm not I'm not familiar with the song, but I'm wondering, was it a was it a sound clip 
from the movie itself and that's why or is it because of the contents of that verse that yeah i don't know just implications or yeah yeah i, I mean they they eventually they eventually allowed it to play um after a while but initially like just flat out did not play it at all and it's one of those independent hmm. things where like nowadays it's like the big uh the way to get big now is to just go on spotify and release it independently and so they, that's mm. probably why it even did remotely better is because they did whatever the equivalent was in that time when that song was released. So, um, yeah, okay. So, uh, and we'll talk. We'll talk about this a little bit later. But the scene where Vincent accidentally uh, uh, shoots the accomplice and blood just splatters <laughs> inside the car. Right? Suppose I that- shot Marvin in the face. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> supposedly that scene in particular is one of the reasons why we have tv ratings right in the u.s oh so they they wanted to put the movie on tv but but the the um television stations were hesitant because of that scene i yeah i i assume that's the case mm. yeah well and and obviously they would have to uh <laughs> they would definitely have to uh dub over uh a lot oh, of, of lives. I mean, you would have to censor a lot of it, but there's a good chunk of that movie where Vincent and and Jules are walking around with like chunks of brain in their hair and on their clothes and things like mm-hmm. that. So, I mean, that's um, you can't just cut out like you know a fifth of the movie and right. still call it the same movie. So, I mean, yeah, yeah and I, and I, I assume that. I assume it got a TV mature rating. <laughs> I'm assuming that's what happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. Uh, final uh, factoid is uh, Pulp Fiction was a relaunch of many of the actors' careers, and particularly um, the one that stands out to me uh, is Samuel L. Jackson, because um, the last movie that he was in before this was uh, Jurassic Park, which was not like, I, I, it, I was surprised that Samuel L. Jackson was even in Jurassic Park when we watched it a um, couple, couple weeks back, right? Mm-hmm. And and for me, like, uh, like Samuel L. Jackson is definitely like y- you would consider him nowadays to be like a main lead in any storyline that he's in, right? But in that in Jurassic Park specifically, like completely not like like completely yeah. forgotten that he was in that movie, <clears throat> and in many ways it kind of relaunched his career pulp fiction did in a way in a way yeah samuel jackson is one of those actors that he's in like something like a thousand movies and he's really really good at being the supporting characters um you know like he was in Jurassic park for example um and it, it's it's not that often you actually see him as a lead uh but usually he's one of the secondary characters and things like that and and uh pulp fiction was was absolutely one of the movies that that uh, told audiences hey look at samuel L. jackson he can carry a movie yeah um yeah yep yeah, yeah and uh so samuel L. jackson sure uh, but he it's not like he really left the hollywood scene uh john travolta in in my opinion is the one that is the most significant because yeah um he hadn't been in anything since like 1982 or something like that other than like a, a role here and there you know he did saturday night fever and like he was bubble boy like back in the like forever ago 
Um, but other than that, I mean, what what does he do? Well, Greece, of course. Greece was like his big role. Oh yeah. But out of, right? other than those three movies, like what what did he do before Pulp Fiction? Yeah, not a lot. Yeah, almost. Yeah, almost almost nothing. Yeah, no, and of yeah, course, so that, John Travolta is a mainstay um, these days, right? Like everyone knows yeah. who John Travolta is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and in Pulp Fiction, like literally relaunched his career. Like he probably would not be an actor. Uh, these days if it wasn't for Pulp Fiction. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, let's get into our thoughts on the movie. So, the opening scene, right? I We were we were commenting on this in the watch party. I think I have to agree, at least so far, right? Like, I granted, there's still more movies to see, but right now, that opening scene and that opening music, probably one of the best of all time, right? Like, absolutely i agree 100 percent. and and you talk about the music that's a tarantino staple as well he hand selects all the music for his movies in fact he's sometimes just knows a song that he wants to use and he'll write a scene for that music and so he is a master at using the right music for the right scenes totally totally so uh we were talking about uh samuel jackson a little bit earlier as well um now Here's the thing. <laughs> so in this movie, <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson is using the N-word quite a lot. And it's and it's the N-word with the hard R, right? Yeah, a lot a lot of the actors do. The white actors even. Yeah, even white Quentin, actors. Quentin, Quentin Tarantino himself in the movie says the word like four, four or five times. Mhm. And and in many ways I wonder if it's kind of a sign of the times because we talked about this um, a couple episodes back with uh, Bill and Ted about how um, they used a um, homophobic slur in that movie and how right. like at the time, you know, the word wasn't as trivialized as it is today. Right. Mm. But in this case, like with the hard R, it's, that's an interesting one to me because um um i think it was becoford that said like quentin tarantino does a really good job of inching towards the line but not crossing mm. it entirely right um yeah, sure but well i think i think what it is with tarantino is uh, his writing style and the way that he so he uses the n-word in a lot of his movies a lot of his movies. In fact, like Pulp Fiction isn't even the, the movie that has the most uses of the N word. Mm -mm. Um, and, and I think like the black actors that he uses for his movies, I think for the most part, they're okay with it because his writing is at such a high level, like a high, a high quality. Right. And he's using the word, not just frivolously, he's using it to make a point about the character. Or the uh -huh. situation. It's not just, hey, there's a racist guy just saying racist things, you know? Right. He, like, um, for example, in Pulp Fiction, the world that they're living in, they're living in, uh, you know, like mid 90s uh, or early, probably like early 90s Los Angeles criminal, like criminal underworld type stuff. Right. And so what he's telling in that story, one of the things, one of the you know, many, many things that he's telling in that story is that this is how people talk um, in, in, you know, in criminal circles in Los Angeles in the early nineties, you're a hundred percent going to hear that word over and over again. 
Right. And I say in the, I say in the early nineties, that's probably still true today. Yeah. Um, and, and one of the things that Tarantino is illustrating is that this is, you know, this is literally how people. Yeah. And in, and in many ways, it's almost like he's calling attention to it and how, like how bad it is. Right. It, 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 it it almost seems like that's the way. And even like Samuel L. Jackson himself has even said in an interview before that, um, he um it didn't bother him specifically and he believe he believes that quentin tarantino can't be racist and he provides no but he provides this point of um when uh because uh when samuel jackson says like like quentin tarantino specifically when when he's writing his roles like he's putting you know black actors in like very powerful positions in the movie right and mm-hmm. so in his mind, it's like, it'd be hard for a racist to, to do that. Right. And so, sure. So that sure. seems to be his prevailing opinion. Now, not everyone is going to agree with that, but, but like Quentin Tarantino is one of those directors where that like gets away with it just because of like, mm-hmm. it's like so fine the way he does it. Right. No, absolutely. And and not to get too philosophical here, but I think I think racism is a scale, right? I don't think that there's like half the population is a racist and the other half is not a racist. I don't think it's a zero sum thing. It's it's basically like how racist are you? Like how many racist tendencies do you have? Things like that, right? Yeah. So if if someone was to consider Tarantino using the N-word in his movies a racist thing, okay, fine. You know, like where's your line? Sure. Uh, but if if that's the only tendency, which is probably not, but if it's the only racist, you know, quote racist tendency that Tarantino has, then you know, wh- where do you draw the line on which person is a racist? You know what I mean? Like you yeah. said, that he assigns very powerful roles to black actors. Um, he, if in his personal life, he treats all people with with all due respect, and you know, and so on and so forth, right? If it, you know, if he's just like a, a saint in every other way, but he uses the N-word in his movies, like, is that that person a racist? I mean, probably not in most people's view, depending on how much weight you put on that yeah. word in light of, you know, I don't know. It gets really weird, right? But no, it racism does. Is, a, is kind of a sliding scale is, is my whole point. Right? It does. Yeah. And, um, and, and I would be curious, like if, if, if anybody wants to write in on this, I, I would actually highly encourage you to write in on this. Cause I do want to get more perspective on this email at cinemavention.com. Let me know what you think on this. Uh, but, uh, we, we got, I, I have, I have this line in my soundboard, right? I, this this to me is the most iconic line of Pulp Fiction right here. English motherfucker, do you speak it? <laughs> Say what again? <laughs> Say what again? <laughs> Say what one more time? Yeah, I. Oh man, there are so many quotable lines, and so many of them are from Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, I totally. Absolutely love. Probably my favorite scene in that entire movie is that scene there in the apartment. It, it oh, so good, so good. Yeah, no, it, it's absolutely amazing, and and you know, like that's the thing. Like, not even having seen the movie, it's like I I knew that reference like right away. Like, it's just, it's just oh, such no an doubt. iconic line, right? Yeah, for sure, um, for sure. And you know, like that entire scene is just 
absolutely crazy too. It's like we can um we will be we'll talk about this a little bit later because we they actually go back to that scene later in the movie. Like they it's in fact I'm pretty sure they quite literally reused footage <laughs> from that, right, in the later scene, right? Like Yeah. Yeah. So I actually I want to I want to talk about something uh right before that. To go back to what you were talking about when they were just outside the apartment when uh when they're in the hallway. Mm-hmm. Um I, I, well, first of all, I wanted to ask you, uh would you give a man a foot massage? Ah, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you don't have to yeah. answer that. I just want to see how you would react. Right. Um but but one of the things when I was rewatching the movie last night so that I was prepared for today, um, the way that Vincent and Jules go back and forth with uh, uh, let's call it banter, right? They, they, mm-hmm. they banter, and um, some of their their conversation could be construed as arguments, right? But they, but it's done with respect, even if it sounds like they're mad at each other. They're saying, you know, uh, you know, arguing about foot massages and and who it's okay to, you know, and so forth. Um. It reminded me of how BK and I sometimes will go back and forth where we'll we'll get so we'll get so pedantic we'll get so pedantic and hung up on you know the exact phrasing of a thing or the exact situation of a thing. anyway. <laughs> it, it cracked me up when I thought about that last mm-hmm, time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> so um I was trying I was trying to understand this scene because at first when I saw this scene. I was not I was not understanding of this scene in particular. And in fact, I kind of still didn't. It it took me reading the IMDb summary of it to finally realize, oh, that's why he's here. So this Mm. the so they go to the scene of um, Bruce Willis's character, Butch. Right. Mm -hmm. And and Mm -hmm. they are stuck on this scene, mind you, for like probably several minutes before they like before they like pan the camera to the right i think and so Mm. like in my mind i'm just like i'm trying to figure out like like butch why the hell is he at like why the hell are they focused on this shot for so long like Mm. what is going on here right and Mm -hmm. and the imdb summary really helped me out because marcellus wallace which is um which is the guy that um that Butch is fighting, right? Um, and he's also no, no, no. no. Hold on, I got to stop you. Okay, so this okay. is where, yeah, I think you have a fundamental misunderstanding here. So Marcellus Wallace is a mob boss, right? He is the 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 boss man of of Vincent and Jules. Okay, and like the whole like the whole almost. I don't know if it's a cartel. I don't. I don't think they're they're drug traffickers, so it's not really a cartel. But um, anyway, a like a a. Uh, criminal organization he is the boss Mm -hmm. and what he was what butch was doing there so uh bruce willis's character butch is a professional boxer and uh one of the criminal activities that marcellus is involved in is gambling and Mm. uh, um, fixing you know fixing fights and stuff like that so what he was doing what, so there was a big boxing match that was coming up, and uh, it was going to be uh, Butch versus this other guy, right? Okay. And, um, yeah, because 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 that was Butch not was heavily. 
that that was not made clear to me. It's like I, I what who yeah. Bush, Butch was fighting and ultimately killed at the end. Yeah. Like that was not clear right. to me. Yeah. Right. So Butch Butch was favored to win that fight. So uh Marcellus wanted to make a lot of money on the gambling side of it. So he paid Butch a bunch of money to to take a fall, to go down in the fifth round, right? Uh-huh. Like just uh-huh. like, you know, pretend that he's knocked out or what have you. Uh, so that the other guy would win and then therefore, you know, because everybody was bet- betting on Butch, then th- he would make all the money. Well, what what ends up happening is uh, Butch agrees to do it. It comes fight night. Butch has a, well, you might think at the moment a change of heart, but that's not what happened. He had planned this from the get go because what he does, and, and this isn't obvious on first viewing. Right. But what Butch did was the money that Marcellus gave him, the whatever it was, you know, whatever it was. He took that money and bet on himself to win that fight. Mm. And then when the bookies bookies found out that Marcellus, and I think this was probably Butch's doing too, uh, when when the bookies found out that Marcellus had paid Butch to take a dive, the odds flipped so that Butch was the underdog now in the fight. And when he wins... That's why Butch, like, he made a shit ton of money off uh-huh. of winning. He, he didn't mean to kill Floyd. That was the uh, other boxer's first Floyd, name. Floyd, okay. Um, he did, uh, Butch didn't mean to kill Floyd. He just, you know, meant to knock him out. And, you know, apparently, whatever, he just maybe hit his temple or what, whatever the case was. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. Unfortunately, the, his opponent passed away. And, um, and that's why, you know, Marcellus was pissed because not only did, did Butch double cross him but marcellus lost a shitload of money Uh as a result of that right and so he's on the run okay that yeah that makes more sense because (laughs) yeah because that i i I guess that is my one gripe about this movie is that that wasn't fully like i mean i get that like yeah you get it after you watch it a couple of times but like if for me like like mm. I, i i that that part in the movie for me was was hard to figure um, was hard to follow like I, I i understood from a fundamental standpoint that like that he you know won the fight and that you know it was mark marcus like basically lost in some capacity right but Mar- marcellus yeah. or marcellus yeah. right and and but that yeah that scene in particular yeah and until you explain it just now it's like now i understand it and like <laughs> i don't know like yeah I, I I I, yeah. I I'm always, I always have a hard time when movies just like it takes like several watches to get something, you know. Sure. Well, yeah, and and also the way that we're we're doing these movies, it's during a watch party, right? So sometimes you have uh, people talking, or there's something else going on, and in sometimes you know, and you can't pause the movie and like go back and listen again what he said, things like that. So right. it is a little more difficult to to follow. But but um, even then, even then though, right? Like even if that was an option, right? Like it, let's say I wasn't doing a watch party and let's say I could pause it. Mm-hmm. I would have to go all the way back like several minutes to to figure that out because that yeah. scene is yep. set up way far back, you know? So Right. yeah so again it's like i i feel like that's where like it's great in the sense of it's um not in chronological order but that's also kind of its downfall too in a way you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but sure but yeah so 
but yeah, no, there, there, there's more to that story uh, a little bit later too, because because they when they set that up, like th- that was it, like they just set up the scene and that was it. And um, um, another thing uh that I was um that I realized about this was um, uh, it said in the IMDb summary that the um that uh Jules and Vincent came back into the scene right so they so they join um butch uh in this scene right and they are in uh and and it particularly notes the fact that they are in what appears to be gym clothes and oh right yeah and so in my mind that then when i saw that i was like oh okay so the thing at the 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 whole scene at the end of the movie has already happened at this point in the movie, which is crazy, yes. right? <laughs> yep, yep, absolutely, yeah. Because you have no idea why they're in those clothes until much, much later in the film, right? Yeah, you know. Again, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, right, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> one, of, I, 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 I will say I did enjoy those moments, but um. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, we have this scene with uh, Vincent uh, is at the bar. And by the way, Vincent and uh, Butch have a little like <laughs> have a little insult match back and forth with each other. Right. And yeah, they're both tough guys. Yeah, they're both tough guys. So they're, they're kind of staring each other down and sizing each other up. And yeah, they mm-hmm. just have a little little verbal back and forth. Right. And so uh, and, and so the bartender there uh is um is married i guess to mia right to mia wallace right no marcellus is married to me oh marcellus yeah that's right okay mm-hmm. see yeah that yeah the bartender that, that whole entire Paul. scene is confusing yeah. jesus <laughs> yeah i bet if you I, I bet if you rewatch that whole scene it would make a million times more sense probably probably yeah but um so yeah, so so Mia is married to Marcellus, and mm-hmm. and apparently Marcellus is involved in some shit, right? And I I assume he has to lay low for a little bit. I'm I guess I'm not entirely sure. No, I th- no I think um no I think he was just leaving town for a couple of days to go to go handle some business, probably to go okay know, somebody's ass or something. I'm not really sure, but he he left town for a couple of days. Yeah, well, but well, because the I am the only reason I say that is because the IMDb summary said that like he had to leave town. Uh, well, it, it specifically mentioned the fact that he um basically almost like basically very seriously wounded um someone who was checking Mia out. I guess which to some ah, extent, okay. yeah, to okay, some okay, no, 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 all right. So, so to clarify, when um you. you you know the scene that I was talking about in the hallway where they were massages? Uh, say that again. It, the the scene that we were talking about earlier, where they were in the hallway of the apartment building, talking oh, okay. about the yeah. massages, right? So okay. what they so what they were talking about was this guy, one of the, one of the gangsters that works for for Marcellus, uh, named uh, Tony. Uh, Tony Rocky Horror is what they call him. Uh, Tony. Uh, supposedly in the story gave Mia a foot massage. And when Marcellus found out he was pissed off and threw Tony off 
like a five story building and uh-huh. threw him through uh, like and he went through like a greenhouse and now he can't talk right and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, that so that's the story. Mia later in the movie says that that's not true. Uh, the only time I ever uh, touched or, you know, the, the only time Tony ever touched me is when he shook my hand when I met him at my wedding. Right. Uh, so, okay. you know, so, so who knows if, who knows if the story is true or not? Um, but that was the, that, that was kind of a, a subplot going on of why uh, Vince was nervous yeah. about, about going. Okay. To see yeah. So this, yeah. Okay. So it sounds like this particular part like this this particular part is just like completely confusing like just that scene in general for some reason is just hard to follow so yeah so because marcellus was going out of town he didn't want to leave his his wife completely unattended so he some of the guys that works for him he you know he has them do all sorts of like random errands and and what he asked vincent to do was to take mia out to dinner so that she wouldn't be alone for an evening, which of course that was the yeah, which of course Vincent hears that story about um that guy getting badly wounded and and was just like yeah. <laughs> like a right. lump in his yeah, throat, yeah, yeah. right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so he was um, nervous to say the least. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Totally. Now, yeah. I mean, I mean, it, I, I would be too, right? Like, I can't fault him for that, right? <laughs> right. Of course. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And uh, of course, uh, I gotta pay homage to uh, to the moment in the movie because uh, everyone was telling me that oh this the, um this scene's coming up this scene's coming up and it's the moment uh, where Vincent first walks into uh, into the house and and I I guess is looking for I, either either he's looking for Mia or he's just like looking around at like the house itself right. And there's that famous GIF, uh, confused Travolta, which I'm gonna I'll put on the screen right here after the fact. Uh, right, and right. everyone knows like confused Travolta, the confused Travolta meme, and it spawned from this movie, and it's absolutely amazing. Like I had no idea that was, that I I loved it. I love it. And and it's cool to yeah. see like <laughs> it's cool to see like where it came from and like. Because it's like by itself, it's like you don't have to know the um the movie in order to appreciate what the meme is trying to do, right? But right. but now Absolutely. that I've but now that I've seen the movie, it's like oh my god, okay, <laughs> right? It's just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, and th- and it's funny that, that that stuck out to you because like I I've seen the movie probably I don't know I'd probably seen the movie thirty to fifty times before gifts even existed. Mm-hmm. Uh, which that's probably an exaggeration, but uh, still, like w- by the time there was the confused Travolta meet, like I, I already, like I associated that with Pulp Fiction, like already, you know what I mean? So, like, yeah, you pointing it out is kind of just keys in on a a, a, a difference between, um, I guess, our generations, right? Like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you you mentioned being a millennial before, um, you were definitely a child when. When this movie actually, were you even born yet? Nope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So definitely a, a generational difference here. Totally, totally. But I mean, yeah. hey, you know, like it, I, I probably should have still seen this movie like ten years ago. But you know, oh, yeah. 
it is what it is. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so, uh, so I, I, I want to talk about this too, because, uh, because Vincent and Mia, uh, go to this 1950s style restaurant, which, which is already like pretty amazing. And I wonder if it's a, it's a, if it's a real restaurant or not. I, I didn't have time to look it up yeah. or not. It is not. No, no. Jackrabbit Slims is not a real place. Um, the the exterior of that, uh, you know, of this the the building, mm-hmm. it was like a it was like a bowling alley or something like that. Um, that that was no longer in operation. That they decorated to look like the exterior of Jack Jackrabbit Slims, and then the inside of the building was actually shot in a studio. And it was the most expensive set that they built. It was actually the outside of the actors' salaries. That was the most expensive part of filming that movie. Was, was interesting. That. Yep. I mean, I I, I kind of want someone to make that restaurant now, right? Like- I know. I know. <laughs> I think that every time I watch that movie, like I would so eat there. Totally. No, I would too. Like that sounds amazing. Um, yeah. Well, but, and speaking of which, speaking of which, Vincent makes a big deal about a five dollar shake, right? He's like it's it's pretty fucking good, but I don't know if it's worth five dollars. Like five dollar shakes is common now, like here in right. Yeah. Because like I was just thinking, if you go get a large shake at like Sonic or something like that, it's gonna be like five dollars and something. Like it's right. Not, uh, <laughs> yeah no like that is that is something that definitely didn't age well right <laughs> right, <laughs> because right. In, but that was just because inflation right <laughs> yeah for sure for sure yeah but uh but uh but mia enter uh enters them into the dance competition and and i don't know uh, yes. why i don't know why but when i when i saw this scene i feel like this is an homage to something else like this scene looks it, so yeah. familiar to me for some reason right it is it, it is. Um, and I, knew I don't it. know. I do, yeah. And I don't remember what movie it is. I'm pretty sure it's a mo- an old movie that I've never actually seen. Uh, but it's uh, Tarantino for that scene. He choreographed their their dance to be almost move for move from this older movie. Um, and yeah. I wish I I wish I had it. I wish I had it like, you know, right here. At the it almost it, it almost it was, seemed but. to me like it was because it, 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 it almost reminded me of Dirty Dancing. Kind of like it, it kind of gave me that it, vibe, you know, in in slow motion, perhaps. Uh, well, I mean, it's 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 pr- fairly standard uh, dance moves from the 50s, like the the, you know, the whole twist. Uh, dance. They, you know, they did the, you know, the what do they call it, the swim mm-hmm. and, you know, where they're, you know, they're it looks like they're right through water and then you know, hold your nose while you go underwater and all of that kind of. Right, stuff. right, and of course the twisting and all that kind of stuff. Like it's 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 all like fairly standard, uh, you know, nothing complicated, nothing uh, completely out of the ordinary. But the exact like order of the movements and things like that was from a, another movie. But as far as like how the scene like plays, like how it's set up, um, I'm sure it's a trope. Like I, I'm sure something like that has been in in many movies. Yeah, totally. So, mm. uh. Uh, and then they get they get back to the house. They actually won the trophy, mm. which is great. Yes, yes. <laughs> and then Vincent goes to use the bathroom, and <laughs> it, it seems to me that like he, uh, 
he went to the bathroom because like he was talking to himself. It's like, you better not get feelings for whatever you do. <laughs> like he was talking himself out of it. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, because uh, there, there was a a um, a vibe, I guess, between Mia and Vincent uh, throughout the night. And especially, you know, the the high that they were on of winning the, the trophy and they were having such a great time together. And they even when they come into the house, they, they danced into the house together and things like that. Mm-hmm. And they had like a, a little moment where they were looking in each other's eyes. And, um, uh, you know, Mia says, well, let's, you know, we got to have drinks. And Vincent says, so, you know, I'll be right back. Got to go to the bathroom. And he's talking to himself in the mirror, basically talking himself out of, you know, trying to score with Mia. Yeah. Right. Um, no, that's because the vibe is de- yeah, the, the, vibe the vibe is, is definitely, definitely there, and he yeah yeah, and he he knows, or at least he he feels that if the night continues as it is, like I'm gonna get myself into some big trouble. Yeah, here. and he's gonna end up doing something that he's gonna regret, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. But but every time it's every time in this movie, whenever Vincent goes to the bathroom you yep. know it's a bad sigh because shit is about to go down both metaphorically and perhaps also literally <laughs> <laughs> you know right and uh and, right. and we Absolutely. we mentioned before yeah. um uh, yeah we mentioned before that the reason uh mia needs that syringe is because uh earlier in the movie vincent went to, to his drug dealer and he got some heroin right Mm-hmm. And Mia, thinking that it's cocaine, starts snorting it and is in for quite the surprise when when it, it turns yeah, out it is she, not cocaine. She yeah, she immediately ODs. Mm-hmm. And uh, Vincent Vincent was in the bathroom for so long trying to talk himself out of um, you know making a mistake. Um, he probably regrets being in the bathroom for so dang long because he comes out to mm-hmm. find Mia. Uh, probably very unconscious yeah (laughs) yeah unconscious um uh vomit like dripping out of her mouth uh eyes rolled back uh, yeah very obviously over yeah i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't know this because i'm i don't partake in that stuff you know (laughs) but uh but uh uh squid uh squid's telling me and i don't know how he knows like for reasons he knows this information, <laughs> right? <laughs> we won't go into why, but <laughs> sure, sure. But uh, but the reason uh, she uh, mistakes uh, mistakes it for cocaine is actually because cocaine is t- apparently kept in bags usually, and heroin is supposed right. to be kept in balloons. Hence the confusion. Right, right. Yes, and, yes, and that is so. That is foreshadowed actually in. Uh, the earlier scene when Vincent goes to his drug dealer, uh, because the the drug dealer actually says to him, Oh man, I'm out of balloons. Is a baggie okay? Uh-huh. I didn't catch that line. Okay. That makes more yep. sense. Okay. Yep. And, yeah. uh, and and as far as how as far as how Squid knows, I mean, this is I mean, how do you know now? Like you know what I mean? Like I mean it becomes No, becomes I, and I'm not even yeah, as, I was gonna say it's as people will talk about it. Yeah, I was gonna say. Um, yeah, it's made. It, it's 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 knowledge that you can pick up even if you're not necessarily involved. Sure. Let's no, just put absolutely. it that way. Yeah, <laughs> and honestly, like this this movie is kind of what brought that to my attention that there was a difference in like you know packaging, if you will, for, mm-hmm. for different types of drugs. So yeah, yeah, this is why you don't do drugs, kids. Like. <laughs> <laughs> 
But, That's right. Uh, Just say no. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, this is a prime example. Like, Pulp Fiction is probably the best example of why why you shouldn't take drugs, surprisingly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, but I, I I love I I I love this uh, <laughs> this Fox Force Five joke because because they they left you hanging on that right like but they weren't gonna they were gonna they weren't gonna let us leave us hanging on that like we had to know so, what the joke was right right so so Fox Force Five is the television pilot that Mia had acted in mm-hmm. uh, that subsequently was not picked up for a series so it was just a one off that's out in in um you know, in the, in the either somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the idea of the, the, of the TV show Fox force five is where there's five badass women that, you know, form this group to go like, you know, kick a bunch of ass. Right. And they're, they're all like ninjas basically. Um, it was all, it was so almost the precursor. It was the precursor to, uh, Oh, what's the name of that? Uh, kill bill. Mm, okay yeah I, I wasn't thinking of kill bill but sure yeah <laughs> well well that so the point i was gonna make was that the the idea of fox fox force 5 actually uh evolved into what became uh kill bill uh which uma thurman was also in uh the uh, with uh quentin tarantino directing uh-huh uh-huh but uh but the joke it's it's such a dad joke right like it's such a dad joke if i've ever heard one mm-hmm. <laughs> three tomatoes walking down the street papa mama and little baby tomato baby mm-hmm. tomato starts lagging behind papa tomato gets angry goes over to baby tomato and smushes him and says catch up yeah but up uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right <Yeah>. so uh <laughs> we gotta we gotta speed up on some of the uh, on these because we're already 58 minutes in jesus let's right get, right let's get let's get yeah, on let's with go, it let's go <laughs> so uh which and and here's my problem this leads perfectly into my problem it's like you could almost mm-hmm. make each of these stories a movie by themselves and maybe it wouldn't be a two and a half hour long movie Urgh. Anyway, <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> but uh, but uh, Butch has a uh, has a dream, um, and all you really need to know about this is that he received a gold watch from his father who died in war, and apparently they would store the watch in their rectums for safekeeping because that makes sense, yeah. right? <laughs> well, yeah. So, so they were they were prisoners of war, and and if you're a POW, you're going to be stripped down, and t- all of your belongings are be taken. Well, this watch was mm. uh, very special to Butch's dad, and so instead of losing it to the enemy, to the Vietnamese soldiers, he shoved it up, shoved it up his ass, and kept it there, hidden from the enemy. Yeah, and yeah, and, and it- when. Yeah, no, and it, it made it made it made me very uncomfortable when that happened. But then again, we did have well, imagine how imagine how Butch's dad felt. I don't right? think he was very comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. But I mean, to be fair, we also had some girls in the film talking about like they were talking about like piercing their nipples or whatever, which I also don't understand. Yeah. But to each the, to each their own, I guess. Like whatever, <laughs> yes. you know. <laughs> Any anything that. Anytime that we can see Willie getting squeamish, I, I'm I'm there for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, 
but uh, but we but now going back to uh, the fight, right? So Butch has his fight. Uh, he knocks down his opponent and kills him, which yeah. I mean, bearing in mind, like he just signed his death sentence doing that now, right? Like Marcellus is going after him, right? Yep, yep. And the funny thing is, it's like he probably would have gotten away just fine if his girlfriend hadn't forgotten that damn golden watch you know like yeah seriously well, a different that- way well in a different way to, to to look at it is that so marcellus like he said himself i'm prepared to scour the earth for that motherfucker um like he, i don't know if butch would have been safe uh but because he had to go back for his watch and the events that unfolded after that mm-hmm. um ended up making it so that marcellus wasn't looking for him anymore so you say that the the watch, uh, not having the watch, screwed him. Going back to the watch might have actually saved him. Yeah, no, it also saves him. No, that's a good point, actually. <laughs> because, yeah, no, because he, he goes back to his apartment. He finds the watch, and then he just randomly sees an SMG on the table. And he yeah. was just like, oh, wait a minute <laughs> and then who comes yeah. out of the bathroom at that point none other than vincent himself <laughs> and i love yep. how they just lock eyes and they just stand there awkwardly for like a couple seconds mm-hmm. <laughs> and then butch just blasts him and i was just like well there goes vincent <laughs> yep yep absolutely and that was the the final time that that he um, uh had a bad experience after taking a crap but it was it was the Second time, I think, as told in the movie, but still, right, obviously yeah. the the final time chronologically, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and uh, and and long story short, like Butch uh is driving back and he sees Marcellus in the street and mm-hmm. he's about he just decides, oh, you know, I'm just gonna run him over, I guess, and then then that goes horribly wrong and they start chasing each other like. He's mm-hmm. trying to hold on to for dear life here as he's trying to, you know, get through it, right? And right. and yeah. they and they're both they both get like chased into this pawn shop, right? And I this owner is just I I, I, I hate to say it, but it's like he's he's got he's real kinky, right? <laughs> I mean, that's a that's a generous way to say it. Um very much, yeah, yes. I mean, not only not only is he kinky, but he's also a rapist. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So so yeah. So Maynard Maynard is the proprietor of the the pawn shop, uh, where he um, he captures. Well, he knocks out Butch, and Butch had already knocked out Marcellus, and was about to kill him. Uh, Maynard knocks out uh, Butch, and then drags both of their unconscious bodies down to the basement or into the back room. I can't remember if there were stairs. I think or not. it was. I think it was in the back room, but also downstairs. I think. Okay. Right. Right. So anyway, so he takes them back there, ties them to a chair, puts ball gags in their mouth, and then he calls up his buddy Zed, and he says, "Zed, Maynard, <laughs> Spider caught a couple eyes." So he's a security guard somewhere. Uh, wastes no time in making his way over to the pawn shop because Zed is Maynard's uh, partner for his uh, sexual deviance, which is um, what the intention is with Butch and Marcellus. 
Yeah, no, and uh, it, it was so bad that the fire department had to get called. Like, that opinion, it was just completely crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, and this is the infamous gimp scene. So they uh, they decide to bring out the gimp. What do you think about the gimp? I... <sighs> No, 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 no. But the gimp, of course, is a a a bondage masochist, I guess. A a guy that's in you know completely clothed in leather. He's chained. He is very submissive to Maynard and Zed. They they. Uh, lead him around on a leash they lock him to the you know they chain him to the wall all this kind of stuff um and who knows what they were what the gimp was gonna do <laughs> I mean, yeah we'll <laughs> never know like and it's like you know hey i don't we don't kink shame here like if you're into that stuff fine but like it's not my thing yeah, but let's not uh yeah but let's not do let's not do rape like rape yeah. is never i mean that's not a kink that is just yeah that is just that's not up, um yeah, that's not bad a, behavior to to put it mildly. You know? I mean, I, I all I know is that there's like there's people that are into like rape fantasy, but rape itself, like no, sure. No. And this was yeah, and there was no fantasy here for for Butch and Marcellus. This was going to be a you know, a crime was happening to them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, multiple, multiple crimes. Yeah, um, and ultimately, yeah. and and ultimately, that's what kind of saves Bush is that he's able to escape from the chair and he saves Marcellus. Well, and and here's the thing though, he didn't at first he didn't want to, right? But then he's just like, mm. I guess his moral conscience kicked in, I guess, and he decided like, eh, I might, I I should probably save him, right? Yes, and yeah. I get, and I guess you know, uh, um. You know, I guess like saving Marcellus from certain certainty <laughs> was enough uh, to keep him from, you know, like yeah. they basically like, well, they're basically just like uh, they just made a deal. It's just like as long as Butch never um, travels back to L.A., we don't have to remember uh, <laughs> what happened, <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, yeah, because when uh, when Butch made his escape. Um, Marcellus was you could hear it from the other room Marcellus was already being violated um, and Butch yeah I, I guess it was a, a you know moral conscience or whatever he decided you know no no person needs to be going through that um, and not only that but he wanted to um, inflict some sort of some level of revenge I think against Maynard and Zed um, and I really like this 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 scene cracks me up every time when when Butch goes back to the like the storefront of the pawn shop, he he's looking for a weapon and he picks up a hammer and he's like, "Yeah, I can I can mess these guys up with it." And then he sees something else, sets the hammer down, picks up a baseball bat. He's like, "Yeah, this is so much better." Oh wait, sees something else, sets that down, picks up a chainsaw, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I can really." Me-. <laughs> and he sees something else, and he sees a samurai sword. He sees a katana on the wall. And decides, nope, this is what I'm going to use. And um, so he went through four weapons, settled on the katana, goes goes downstairs, and immediately disposes of Maynard and uh, rescues Marcellus, mm-hmm. who um, in turn goes to work on Zed. Yeah, and, uh, Zed. Zed. Uh, I don't think lived a whole lot longer, but I'm mm, pretty I don't think sure so. that the, the rest of his life was. Um, 
incredibly painful. Yep. <laughs> and I get and I guess, you know, like hey, as compensation for for saving me, right? As compensation for that, it's like we can forget that whole like money scheme ever happened in the first yep. place. <laughs> as long yep. as you, you as long as two, you stay out conditions. of Yeah, as long as you yep. stay yep. out of LA and And then you never tell anybody about this. Right. Yeah. Which seems to yep. be a running theme. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. you know. Um, we then flash back in time, uh, and then this is where we see that apartment scene once again. And um, this time we follow one one, one thing. Before, hold on. Oh, okay. One, one final thing before we before we leave the Butch thing. So when Butch gets back to the hotel with the motorcycle, and he has um, Fabian uh, get on the motorcycle with him. Mm-hmm. Chronicle chronologically speaking, that is the last shot of the movie. If you're going chronologically. Oh, oh that's yeah, the, that's, that's true. That's the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, it, and, it look, and it looked and it looks like the end of the movie, right? And then they're like, psych, yeah. <laughs> we've still got another, yeah. uh, we've still got another 45 well, yeah, minutes. It's, it's kind of, Butch kind of gets the happy ending. Like every, everyone else kind of has a, um, e- you know, either a bad ending or um, an uncertain ending where Butch yeah. kind of gets the happily ever after, or at least that's, you know. That's a good point. You know, everything's yeah. like, okay moving forward. And that's the end of the movie, except, oh, no, wait, we're telling the story out of order. So, no, it's not the end. <laughs> right. Because uh, because we flash back in time to the apartment scene again. And this time uh, we follow Jules and Vincent as they um, leave the apartment because they've done their job. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and they're driving home with their accomplice, Marvin. Marvin, and, yes. And then Poor Marvin. Vincent, <laughs> Vincent has his finger on the trigger. What? No, that's not how you hold a gun. And of yeah, course, he yeah. accidentally shoots Marvin. It's like moron. What are you doing? <laughs> it, 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 to me, Vincent <sighs> is not the smartest bulb in the box, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't. I don't know that anyone would convince Vincent, or uh, um, I don't think anyone would mistake Vincent from being a genius. Um, yeah. It, so not only is he pointing the gun at Marvin, he's also got his finger on the trigger accidentally squeezes it and blows Marvin's head off. And also has the gun loaded. Like, oh my, so many things wrong yeah. with that. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but of course that, that creates a predicament for our protagonist antagonist. I'm not sure how we want to see. I don't characters. even know at this point. Yeah. <laughs> but the, but the entire car is just covered in, in brain matter <laughs> and mm-hmm. skull and blood and, and they're yeah. on the highway too, so it's like pretty obvious, right? Like how yeah. they how they yeah. how they managed to get out of there, like that's an that's a feat in and of itself, right? <laughs> yeah, but they so they end up going to Quentin Tarantino's house. Well, yeah, Quentin Tarantino's character's house anyway, because yeah, because <laughs> Jules has a friend, of course, and he calls um he calls Marcellus, and of course Marcellus knows a guy that can fix things and. To his credit, yep. he did. Like, yeah, he called the wolf. All you gotta do is call the wolf. The wolf's gonna come and fix it. Yeah, right. I mean, hey, this 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 guy knows what he's doing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, the wolf is a, a wonderful character. He's a he's what's known as a fixer in criminal circles, and yeah, he just tell him what the problem is, and he's gonna figure out a way to fix it. Yeah, right on. And um uh, and and at this point, we're back in the restaurant. We're back where things began. 
uh Jules decides uh that he's gonna leave uh or, or like he like well Jules first of all he has the real like they were talking about the fact that like it's a miracle that we're not dead because of how many of those bullets missed and he decides that he's retiring mm. from cr- from the crime life and his last parting shot so to speak except it wasn't a shot he he decides to stop that crime in process the very one that we saw started at the beginning of the movie which just yeah such, such a good ending and uh yeah well my yeah. my favorite line of that part is when um, when he tells uh pumpkin or ringo to to reach in that bag and get my wallet ringo says uh which one's which wallet is yours and he goes it's the one that says bad motherfucker <laughs> right yeah and of course uh I, th- this sounder is it, like diamond club knows this sound <laughs> which is of at course. the very end of that movie which uh, uh, amazing like so many references in this movie like <laughs> so many dude like it's unbelievable right yeah and, uh, absolutely and I could, dude, I could talk for another two or three hours about this movie and different totally. pieces of trivia or story beats or favorite quotes. I could go on and on and on. This is, this is outside of probably Star Wars. This is probably my favorite movie of all time. Yeah, totally. And so I, I'm guessing your, uh, your rating is going to be a thumbs up, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I think I could, I could put it in the air. That's how many are up right now. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I will I and I will give this one a thumbs up too. I really enjoyed this movie. Other oh. than other than my few other than my few gripes with the movie, like I enjoyed this movie a lot and um and I think I will watch this one again um in my spare time. Like this is Excellent. This, Excellent. This was such a well, fun movie. Well, as a movie. side note, as a side note, uh so this this is the second movie from Quentin Tarantino, the first one being Reservoir Dogs. Though Pulp Fiction's not a, a direct sequel to Reservoir Dogs, there's a character in Reservoir Dogs called Vic Vega. Mm-hmm. And you'll notice uh, Travolta's character's name is Vincent Vega. So uh-huh. originally Tarantino had, had wanted it to be the same character. So Vic Vega is played by Michael Madsen. And he was going to have Michael Madsen replay his character in Pulp Fiction. Um, but uh, Madsen had already signed on for another movie. So he couldn't he couldn't do Pulp Fiction. So that's when he hired Travolta to be uh, Vega, right? But he didn't mm-hmm. want him to be the same guy. So he made him Vincent Vega and created this whole like uh, a story of how they were the the Vega brothers, Vic and Vincent. And he actually had an idea to make a a movie that put them together. So it'd be like the Vega brothers. It was like a, a uh-huh. like a flashback type of movie mm-hmm. with the Vega brothers. Anyway, that never came to be. And now Michael Madsen and, and John Travolta are way too old to play younger versions of themselves and blah, blah, blah. We're probably never going to see it. Um, but in a weird sort of way, uh, Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction exist in the same universe. And there's a little bit of crossover there, which leads me to a question that I have for you before we wrap this up. Okay. What do you what do you think is in the briefcase? Hmm. Well, Here's what we know, right? We know that it's glowing, whatever it is, right? Okay. Because isn't it? Because okay. it's like it, he opens uh, 
Jules opens it up at the end and it's glowing and like it's got like you know so it's it's shiny whatever it is right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I'm trying to think in my mind what would be that shiny that you would put in a briefcase and I'm I, and, and maybe it has something to do with how the light reflects it I don't know but <sighs> hmm I, the best guess that I have is that it's a bunch of gold bars. Like that's my best guess. I don't know. <laughs> Except gold is heavy, and they were flinging that briefcase around like it weighed nothing. Um. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's true. Damn it. Tarantino's official. It's some gold. It's some gold magic fairy dust. I don't fucking know. <laughs> no. Sounds great. Sounds great because Tar- that's Tarantino's official stance on it is it's whatever the audience thinks it is. Yeah, uh, one okay. Of the, what, one, of the most, one of the most common theories is that it's Marcellus Wallace's soul, which uh, <laughs> when you see Marcellus Wallace originally, you can see a Band-Aid on the back of his neck with like, oh, a scar. Mm-hmm. And also the combination on the briefcase is 666. Of course, um, right. So, yeah, and there's supposed to be, you know, which which is ironic, by the way, which is ironic, by the way, given um, Jules's seemingly, you know, background, right, and the fact that he's quoting right. Bible right. verses, right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so I mean, craft the theory how you want, uh, but that's one of the prevailing ones out there. Um, another one is that it's it's Elvis's gold um, costume from. Um, Oh, I'm drawing a blank now. Uh, there's a movie that Tarantino wrote. It, somebody else directed it, but he wrote it. And I, I'm drawing a blank right now. Where Elvis was a character, and um, it was the gold suit from Elvis. Uh, there's a couple other ones out there. Anyway, um, I like your uh, gold fairy dust. That works for me. <laughs> Send in your theories to email at cinemavention.com. What do you think is in the briefcase? Uh <laughs> Kent, uh, it was so, so so good to have you on the show uh, once again. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show. And if folks want to know where to find your work, where can they go? Yeah, thank you for having me again. It's, it, it was probably more fun the second time even. Um, yeah, ritualmisery.com is where all of my projects are at. If you want to follow me on Twitter, RM underscore Del Noche. Yeah, and uh, come September we might be uh, we might be able to meet for the first time in person. We'll see. That should be fun as well. Uh, more details. Yes. Looking forward to it. Yeah, more details on that as it uh, as it gets closer. But uh, but yeah, let's just hope that uh, COVID is out of here in the next uh, in the next five or six months. <laughs> yes, God, I hope so. Hmm. Hmm. I'm doing a watch party for each of the movies that we review on the show. If you want to watch the movie with myself and fellow listeners, uh, you can find it over on my Twitch. I'm also live there every Wednesday and Friday night with all sorts of gaming content over at twitch.tv slash is one But if you can't make it to the party, don't worry. We have the watch party available exclusively to you folks who support the Patreon Thank you, everybody who has supported over at patreon.com slash is one You are helping the show move along and expand, and I thank you immensely for it. If you have thoughts about the movie we discussed today, you can join our Discord, gamenightdiscord.com. Just search for the Cinemavention channel in there. Uh, you can send an email, email at cinemavention.com. 
and visit our website, cinemavention.com. That's where you find all of our previous episodes, all the previous movies I've covered on this show, as well as links to subscribe to your favorite podcatcher of choice. We just got approved on Pandora, so if you listen on Pandora, we're there now. Uh, uh, let me think of some other ones. Stitcher is another one. Um, what are some ones? Overcast we're on, Pocket Cast. Spotify. Yeah. yeah, you're on. You're on basically all of them. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Cinemavention.com/slash/subscribe has all of them and a link to an R- the RSS feed. Music has been provided by Kevin McLeod. Check out his work at Incompetech.com, folks. You are not going to want to miss next week's episode because we have a very special guest. I. That's all I'm going to say for now. You're going to have to tune in to find out who it is. And it is going to be a fun episode. I can't wait for you to listen and we will see you on the next one. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. (laughs)